Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance, and today we are returning for another What Are You Reading episode. I was going to have uh, Jeremy return for another episode, back-to-back episodes, but sadly he came down with the COVIDs, Uh, so we are wishing Jeremy a quick recovery. Chris is currently working on some other projects, very exciting stuff for him and his career right now, so I had the absolute pleasure of reaching out to some of my friends in the podcast community, and they were very generous to offer their time, and I just want to welcome in Mike from the Multiverse of Badness podcast. How's it going, Mike? Oh, it's going great. I must really love you and your podcast because you're taking me away from the Tommy Fury, Jake Paul fight. No, I actually was not going to watch that. (laughs) But no, seriously, thank you for having me on. Anytime that uh, you have an opening, I'm sorry that, um, who was it that that fell out today? Uh, That was Jeremy. Jeremy, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I appreciate the opportunity, but I do hope you recover quickly. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So tell our listeners a little bit about the Multiverse of Badness. Well, the Multiverse of Badness is me, and it's my friend Zach from Wales. I'm actually from Tennessee, so it's a multinational podcast. And pretty much, it's an excuse for us to read really silly comic books and review them. We like to say that we do the, we pretty much review the bad stuff so you don't have to read it. But we honestly, we love it. Uh, I really enjoy obscure and funny characters. I am of the mindset that if you're not smiling while you're reading a comic book, you are doing it wrong. And we try to find the really fun stuff. So yeah, we just review those because we're kind of stupid like that. I am a big fan of your podcast because I also love finding those weird storylines. And both you and Zach do such a good job of highlighting what makes them ridiculous and then just riffing back and forth with one another. Because I, I tend to be laughing while listening in my car ride between between commutes. So I appreciate all the work you put into your podcast. Well, thank you. We love the comic book keepers as well. Uh, I think you're one of the first. When we started kind of getting ready to do the podcasting thing, I started listening to podcasts. And you guys were one of the first ones that came up. And I've been a fan probably even longer than we've had our podcast. So this is... I feel humbled and excited and a little scared, but no, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Lance. Sweet. Well, thank you for saying that, that I didn't know that. <laughs> so that's, that's a good little pick me up for the day. Now that we got the introductions out of the way, let's just jump into Mike. What are you reading? Well, as we said, I tend to read some really weird stuff, but I'm going to start out first with a comic series, a newer comic book series. A lot of the comics we review are old. And this was a pretty new one. And this is the Exterminators run, which is absolutely fantastic. I'm not sure I've had this much fun with a comic, much less a comic miniseries like this in years. The writing, Leah Williams does a fantastic job and the artwork is fabulous. I laugh reading it. Some of the funniest uh, writing I've read in a while. So yeah, Exterminators is great. I actually listened to your episode that you had about the Exterminators recently, and it made me really want to read the series. So I will be checking out once there's a collected edition out. But mm-hmm. for those that might not have been reading it, could you expand a little bit on like the, the premise behind the comic? Well, the premise is Dazzler and Jubilee and Boom Boom, who, as we all know, are some of the light-based X-Men come to find out they're really good buddies and they I won't spoil I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler because it's pretty quick or in the story we find out that Dazzler is going through a breakup 
And the three girls get together and they're like, hey, let's go out and get plastered. And they do in the process. They get pretty much kidnapped and they run into Wolverine. And then the four of those have four issues of absolute batshit things happen. It's hilarious. I love it. When you were explaining that series in your episode, I I just couldn't wait to pick this one up. So very excited for when there is a collected edition. I don't think there is one out just yet. No, I don't think so. It just ended the run probably within the last month. And I do have, I don't think you can see it here, but I actually have an Exterminator's number one Jubilee variant CGC 9.8. So I'm excited. This is my first graded comic. I love the series so much. I actually went and got a variant. So much to Stu from the Stu World Order's chagrin because he's a big, big Jubilee haunt. So I think he's a little jealous, but he'll get over it. So did you buy it graded or did you buy it and then send it in? No, I bought it graded. I'm always a little fearful because getting it graded can cost a little money and I don't want to send a brand new book off to get graded and then find out it was a 9.4 or something. So right. so I was go ahead to me. Sure, it costs a little bit more money, but that way you get what you know. I've got a couple more I'd love to get graded, but they're older comics, so they're just going to come in what they do. But a brand new book. If I want it to be graded, I'm going to buy it 9.8. And again, my first one, so I'm talking like a pro over here, but no, nah, I bought it graded. Dazzler's one of those characters that I, when I was younger, I didn't really care for. But as the years have gone on, I really enjoy her character. I even have um, the Dazzler number one. Oh, wow. Yeah, I found it in a collection and I just really love the cover on that yeah. book. It's beautiful. It is. And I'm exactly like you. I remember when Dazzler came out and I kind of poo-pooed it. I was like, this is kind of stupid. And I actually remember the first time that she was with the X-Men. I think it was X-Men 130. We reviewed it in our podcast early on. And I kind of pooped on her character, let's be honest, because, oh, she's got light and sound. But they've really, I won't say retconned her. They've done a good job with her. And actually, I won't spoil too much by saying they have actually given some of the X-Men like Jubilee and Dazzler a lot more oomph over the years where before you're like, oh, these are kind of joke characters. But yeah, Jubilee really comes into her own in the series. I think you'll be excited about where she ends up in the Exterminators. But agree 100%. They've done such a good job. When you get good writers uh, handling characters that aren't always given the love and they do new things with them. One of the other ones I'm reading and I won't jump too much, but uh superior foes of Spider-Man it's uh, yeah, they've done a great job with, with those and that guy too. So it's um yeah, just um good writing with not so great characters is some of my favorite stuff. Now, if anyone listening wants to check out that series, when you look it up, just remember it's the letter X then terminators X terminators, not uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger exterminator. Or Terminator. No. Oh my gosh. My brain's broken today. So X Terminator. So it's letter X plus Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's the correct series. 100%. And I think there may be another Exterminators run prior to this that is not this set of Exterminators. So be careful. Just look for the one with Jubilee Daz. A lot of lights. Look for the one with lights on the covers. <laughs> exactly. And Wolverine because she's awesome too. Yes. Oh my gosh. Laura Kinney is such a good character. Mm -hmm. My first uh, book that I've been reading recently is was actually given to me by my uh, neighbor. There, <laughs> I have a but I moved into this house, and on the same property, there is a duplex behind us, and both of the uh, tenants are around the same age as me and my wife, and so we started hanging out. Found out we're all a bunch of nerds. <laughs> and so one of one of them gave me this book to check out, and this is. 
Black Sad from Dark Horse. Oh. It is a phenomenal noir series. Yeah. But all of the characters are anthropomorphic. And it really leans into the general concepts of how certain animals would be would act a certain way. So more of your like cops are more of like the German shepherds, like the dogs. You have some cats that are more of the uh, private detectives, which is what centers around this character. There is a private detective called Black Sad who just goes from story to story, kind of figuring out uh, murders or crimes along the way. But very adult, even though we're talking anthropomorphic animals, there is... A lot of stuff that goes on in this book. So we're talking murders and some graphic violence. You also get some adult themes in it as well. It is actually a book that is first printed in French. And then about a month later, they do the Spanish translation. Then a while after that, that's when we get the English translation. Because both of the creators, so the creators are Juan Diaz Canales and Juanjo uh, Guarnido. So uh, Canales is the writer and Guarnido is the artist. They're both Spanish creators, but their audience is like the French population, which I find really interesting. So first in French, then Spanish, then English translation. These are done in an album format. They're originally uh, printed by the French publisher Dargod. And then you have this album style, so it's wider than normal. So not, not, not so much like a treasury edition, but it is wider, which just makes the paneling just absolutely beautiful. The art is phenomenal. There's so much motion going on, a lot of emotion from the characters that you get. And it's just a phenomenal story that somewhat incorporates like real history. Okay. And it is, it is a really unique series. It, it dives deep into that mystery sleuth kind of element. And there's quite a few different uh, trades and like hardcovers that you can get. I, I just keep borrowing the hardcovers from my neighbor and these stories are fantastic. I was really surprised at the, like the caliber of writing that because I was not expecting that from a story with animals as right. <laughs> as people. Yeah, it's um, anything noir done well. I will read if it's good. Even uh, we read the Elmer Fudd Batman noir, and it's fantastic. But yeah, I love it's when again just good writing, good artwork, good writing. I'm assuming the artwork in this is great as well. It's beautiful. Yeah, most noir is if if you're screwing up the artwork in noir, it's gonna completely ruin the story let's just be honest so yeah when you get the opportunity to find a good noir book you can play with like you said the animal themes like even the batman book you play with the elmer fudd theme but it doesn't take away from it as ridiculous oh yeah i like that (laughs) yeah so that is cool but yeah it's um 100 if noir done right again is so good uh criminal macabre is ish noir, I guess you would say. I'm not sure if you call it pure noir, but yeah, it's uh, some of the artwork in that is even just it's weird, but it's great. So yeah, right. it's uh, just good stuff when it's good writing. Um, it's some of the best stuff to read. It really is. I'm kind of on a noir kick right now, just because I recently did Spider-Man noir with uh-huh. Nick from None of My Friends Read Comics, and it <laughs> it was so much fun reading that. So just kind of 
or sorry, his podcast is called None of My Friends Like Comics. I always mix up the like and the read. I'm sorry, Nick. I apologize. <laughs> None of my friends like comics. Everyone go listen to his podcast too. Uh, but yeah, I I was never honestly a noir fan so much. I don't think I got much of it growing up. And now I'm kind of becoming more and more obsessed with it. Yeah, it's different. You know, again, I like to smile with my comics, but I would rather read a good noir that's serious than try to gut through something that's drawn just kind of regular in the comic book thing and trying to come off serious. I mean, noir definitely is its own genre, and I can read that. I can mess with that when done seriously, but yeah, it's, I'm not big into, oh, Superman's got a big serious storyline going on. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> okay, so what's the next book you have to talk about today? I have a couple. I'm going to try to determine which which one I want to throw off here. It's like a survivor game here. I'm going to talk about uh, this absolute carnage symbiote Spider-Man one, because as has well been documented, I'm a huge fan of Frogman as well as White Rabbit. Yes. And White Rabbit shockingly has been in more stories than you would expect. She pops up in weird places. She popped up in the Claws miniseries, the first one with Wolverine and Black Cat, and she ends up some places. She's pretty much, I won't say, I guess actually she is the main character in this book. Oh, interesting. And yeah, it's uh, really, it's funny because you'd think Carnage is the main character. He only shows up at the end. And if you allow me to spoil it, I'll tell you a few things that happen in it. I don't want to spoil it if anybody's, doesn't want me to spoil this, it. This book is from 2019, right? I'm not exactly sure. I was not privy to it until just recently. But if it was part of the Absolute Carnage run, then it was when like Donny Cates was okay. was doing everything. This was this was one of the books that was like a series tie-in because they oh. also they also had Symbiote Spider-Man in its own title. And then at the time, Marvel did all of their tie-ins to the Absolute Carnage run that was going on because it okay. transitioned from Absolute Carnage to the King in Black storyline okay i will be 100 percent honest with you like i tell people is i was a comic book fan as a kid huge comic book fan i fell off and i'm really coming back into it so i have huge gaps in my knowledge and some of that would probably be considered a gap in my knowledge so i'm catching up and this is one that must be a couple years old but yeah, yeah it's it really it's just a fun it's not fun but it's funny uh, white rabbit ends up doing some things in it that you feel bad for her. She comes off almost as a sympathetic character in ways, but yeah, she ends up seeing Carnage at the very end just slaughter somebody. And, and uh, again, I guess I'll spoil it a little bit. She ends up scaring a guy to death. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, with a pop gun. And come to find out, the guy's dad ends up trying to kill her. So he ends up in jail. And she ends up like showing up and like trying to befriend her. Well, come to find out. During the Spider-Man, the original symbiote run with Spider-Man, and that's at the beginning, the symbiote had kind of taken control of this guy, this random dude whose son died. So Carnage comes back because he's like, ah, you know what? You got a little symbiote in you. I'm going to take it from you. So she just kills this guy right in front of White Rabbit. It's, It's a crazy story, and it's not what I expected from a White Rabbit story. It's very, very wild. Yeah, that's that's. I didn't even know White Rabbit was kind of involved in that entire run. That's interesting. I think it's just a one-off, but it, like I said, she is very much the main character in this. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's wild. She ends up 
<laughs> yeah, she ends up in jail for part of it or in the courtroom because she got pissy at a Quickie Burger employee. And I'm a big <laughs> Quickie Burger fan. Uh, that's a JMD Mateus special there. He throws Quickie Burgers in a lot. This is not Mateus, but D Mateus. But yeah, this is, um, yeah, they, she's getting pissy because the Quickie Burger employee won't serve her a breakfast burrito after breakfast is over. Well, I would be upset about that too. But yeah, very right up our alley on what I like, but it came off originally. It looked like it was going to be funny. By the end, like I said, not funny at all, but a very <laughs> fun read, a very good read. Absolute Carnage is a is a run. So the the main Absolute Carnage run, which was only like five issues, I believe, is phenomenal. I strongly recommend checking that one out because it does a really good job of reintroducing a lot of the storylines that have been happening with the symbiote related characters over the last few years you get a lot of back history story going on with eddie brock with uh, cletus cassidy you get a lot of norman osborne involved there as well and the conversations that peter and eddie have are some of the best conversations those two characters have ever had donny cates has a phenomenal voice for peter parker and i really wish we had gotten him on a Spider-Man run after King and Black had ended. Yeah, Spider-Man, Spider-Man comes and goes. <laughs> That's the thing. Some Spider-Man's written really poorly, but when Spider-Man is written well, it is, um, th- he's a classic for a reason. He's, uh, he is the, probably my favorite comic book character long-term. He's really, Spider-Man's what got me into comics as much as I liked Superman and liked Batman. I was team Spider-Man. And yeah, when he's written well, I'll read Spider-Man all day, every day. I think that's fairly common for the majority of people. It's it's Spider-Man is that gateway drug into the comic book scene because it was the same for me. I didn't start getting into comics until after the first Spider-Man movie came out, the Sam Raimi one, because my parents went to a comic shop and were like, our kid likes Spider-Man now. And they just picked out the most random assortment of Spider-Man issues you've ever seen. (laughs) And, And that's just kind of like where my comic book obsession really started, I would say. And I think it makes sense, especially if you get into comics at an early age or even in your teens, you could argue maybe even your early twenties is you can have some sympathy, some realism that goes into Peter Parker's character. that Superman just doesn't have that Batman doesn't have that really Tony Stark doesn't have. Of course, when I was a kid, Iron Man was a nobody and now he's showhead. So, so yeah, it's uh, even Captain America. Those guys, you can't grasp them. They, they're not real characters to you. But when you've got a, a kid that's got an aunt that has health trouble and, and he's young and he's insecure with himself and he's not sure he's doing the right thing, it really tugs at you. And it's like, that's that's a real person. They feels like a lot more real. And I think a lot of comics since Spider-Man, I'm not, he may be the first character that really came off that way that I can remember. And a lot of comics nowadays are written with that tone and comics are better for it. Peter Parker was meant to be the the everyman when he was originally written, even though if you go back and read his first few appearances, Peter Parker's a jerk. Oh, my gosh. He's (laughs) such a bad dude in the beginning. He's so arrogant. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the X-Men were pretty rough early on, too, especially Professor X. That guy kind of sucked. Yeah, he's he needs to stop asking people to sit on his lap. Yeah, it's not cool. No, not cool. Not, not good. <laughs> gotta calm that down, Charles. Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. It's, it's messed up. 
my next book was something that as soon as I found out it existed, I needed to own all of it. And that is Walter Simonson's Ragnarok. This is an IDW series where he gets to play with the uh, mythos of Thor and just Norse, Norse mythology in general. Because we know, if you know about Walter Simonson, you know that he has a prolific run on Thor. He is the creator of Beta Ray Bill. He he made like we get Stormbreaker because mm-hmm. of this man. Rather than being able to tell all of the Thor-related stories at Marvel, he had this idea that started to develop, and he uh, originally was contacted by a different publisher head. And then that publisher head went to IDW. And then years later, they ended up talking about returning and doing the story. And so it landed at IDW. But this this storyline is is essentially set where Thor had been kind of trapped in this chained up throne. And all of, of uh, Asgard had essentially been destroyed. And you're living in this world now where there are just these undead zombie creatures all over the place. And so people are just in absolute fear. What kind of sparks the beginning of the storyline is this individual is sent to go find like a certain item thing in this area. And they go and they actually find Thor chained up. Looks like he's dead. Looks like he's one of the undead, really. And he gets unlocked and he just wipes the floor with everyone in the room. And the story just kind of develops. There's an assassin that's really sent to go kill Thor. The storyline just progresses and involves a, a family of like dark elves. There are, like I said, there's undead involved. Thor is barely clinging to life, but he's not undead. And they just play around with a lot of the mythology of a lot of Norse mythology. The cool thing is, is before in the, in these hardcovers, there's three of them that collect everything, but there is so much like exposition and education just about again, Norse mythology. And you get this lesson at the same time of reading this really interesting story with Thor going on an adventure that you might not have expected him to do. It is it is one of the wildest stories I've read in a while. And I love Walter Simonson's writing. It just flows really well. And his art, like he's the artist and writer on the series. You can't really go wrong. Yeah, again, he's so good. I was lucky enough or young enough, maybe old enough now, to have gotten that Thor 337 off the spinner. And oh, there are it. two books I recall from my youth that really put me on my ass when I read them. One of them was Alpha Flight 12 because Guardian like blows up in the end and he's the main character. You're like, what the hell just happened? It like, you're like, this is wild. But that Thor 337 and, and I think it may have gone all the way through 339, but Thor gets his ass handed to him. Yep. And yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like the next book, it's like, Hey, Thor, you, you take on Beta Ray Bill. Who deserves the hammer more? Beta Ray Bill wins. You're like, what in the hell is going on here? It was, and it, you know, you originally think Beta Ray Bill is going to be this horrible villain. He turns out to be more heroic than Thor. Yep. It's just good 
comic book writing and you don't always get that it's easy to be lazy with those legendary characters because the book's gonna sell but that seems so groundbreaking to me from a writing perspective as a kid because that was just it was handled well like you said and it's just so good and and i was unfamiliar with this this ragnarok um run this series that he has going and i will need to check that out because it is He's as good a comic book writer as it gets, really. Agreed. And this design for Thor is really unique. He doesn't even like have a bottom jaw. <laughs> <laughs> Simonson pokes a lot of fun at the design itself, too. And I think they even said, mentioned at one point, like, how are you talking? You don't even have a bottom jaw. <laughs> it It's just so good. There's there's like a squirrel that's his buddy that that basically kept him living this entire time by providing him nectar from these fruit from right. from Asgard and it's just wild wacky there's crazy monsters you get like a Surtur-esque character it, it's just so good even if you just want to look at the art I would suggest checking it out but it's it's three volumes the first trade is in paperback now the other ones are still only the hardcovers they are out of print but if you have a used bookstore keep an eye out because that's how I found mine they just showed up at my used bookstore after I had been hunting for them for like months and all three were there. I found one, like I wanted to start searching for them. And within a month I found a copy of the first volume, but it was in Spanish. Oh no. And, and my heart sunk. Like I can, I can read Spanish, but I wanted the whole run in English for, for more ease of reading. But I have the whole set now. Very happy about it. But if anyone is interested, the trade paperback is available. I think they are still printing volumes two and three in paperback. They have yet to come out, but strongly recommend the series. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I have to I have to jump onto that. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, again, you can thank uh, some of our research for this is that. I went through a big Milligan All Red X-Force run, 116 through 129. I bought the whole run. I think it's fabulous. It's so It feels so different. Uh, Alred gets kind of shit on for his artwork, but for when he draws in a certain voice, and Milligan and Allred together, just, yeah, it's, it's uncanny what those guys do together. But um, there's a character in that series named Dupe. And Dupe goes on later on to be, he's around, he's hanging around. And there was a cover that took me by surprise with Wolverine back to back with Dupe. And it was, let me see if I get this, this, yeah, Wolverine and X-Men 17. And they're on the cover together. And Deathlock comes in with Wolverine and Dupe's sitting there laid out with nudie magazines on his chest. And Deathlock's like, what's this guy doing? Wolverine's out. Now, wait a minute. He's like, I know he doesn't look like a lot, but trust me, this guy's this guy keeps this place together. And we get an entire comic book of dupe doing. I mean, it's anything I tell you is not going to spoil a storyline, but he's at a gentleman's club. He's wrestling. He disrupts Nazi bowlers. He goes (laughs) undercover to convince councilmen not to shut down the Jean Grey school. He goes roller derbying with She-Hulk and Tigra. He plays guitar with demons. He smashes a nun's laptop and oh. He also saves the world with Howard the Duck. So it's just a wild book, and I love it for everything it is. What's, what's the title of that one again? 
it is Wolverine and X-Men 17, and you'll know it because you'll see Wolverine on one side and Duke dressed up in a Wolverine costume on the, or, yeah, he's in a Wolverine outfit back to back with Wolverine. So Duke and Wolverine together and come to find out, and I wasn't as aware of this again, I have some holes in my knowledge, but Wolverine and Dupe have gone on to become quite good friends. Remind me if I'm wrong or not. Dupe is like the green Slimer looking. Yeah. X-Men, correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> Surprising. I am. I am slowly finding out more and more people are really big Dupe fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was not super, I won't say keen on him. I just wasn't aware of him until I really got into that X-Force run and He's an interesting bird because come to find out later on, originally, I think in maybe the first book or two, he says things that you can't understand them. And then you, there's actually a dupe language that you can decode what he's saying. And it really says what he's saying. And Wolverine knows how to, how to listen to dupe and talk to him. But yeah, what is written on the page is actually, I think it's just a, you know, you could map it to certain letters, but he really is talking, even though it looks like he's not saying anything at all that you can understand. I feel like we need a X-Men Ghostbusters crossover now oh. with Slimer and Dupe having a conversation. Yeah, well, um, yeah, Slimer was, as a child of, I think they came out in 83, as a child of the 80s, which was when uh, a lot of the books I collected were released, comics. I was a big Ghostbusters fan and a big Slimer fan, so I probably have a fondness, a weakness in my heart for a character like Dupe, who... It's just, he's just fun, you know? And again, makes me smile. So that's, that's what I'm in for. Yeah. You know what kind of comic book you're getting when dupe is the main character of an issue. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's, it's a wild issue. So if you get a chance to read particularly that issue again, it's more of a one-off, but I do try to track down. And I think that's the thing with some of my favorite characters is a lot of them don't have long runs, you know, the, like White Rabbit and and Frogman. They're just kind of there and they're gone. So you kind of catch them when you can, where you can. And Dupe's kind of like that in a lot of ways. He'll be around and then he won't be around. And this is one where he really is front and center. So I had to throw that out there. Well, we appreciate any dupe we can get from comics. (laughs) 100%. I'm here for the dupage. He's, oddly enough, though, of that X-Force team, the original team, he was my third favorite character. I'm a big fan of you go girl and my favorite even though she only lasted one issue was the gin genie oh interesting yeah the more she drank the stronger her powers got oh wow i have not read that run yeah uh, it starts with x-force 116 they kind of blow up the entire team and restart it and then they go uh it ends at 129 and then um forget they i think they end up having their own series i think that's where the x-force comes from they're not x-force which is it i can't i'm losing my mind i'm 50 years old leave me alone (laughs) get off my lawn (laughs) but they end up having their own run and i know they're doing another run soon um with actually all rid and milligan are taking it back over for excellent and they're going to take over some of those crazy characters nice there's always there's always a bunch of x-men titles so it's fun when you get the weird ones to cross you (laughs) to cross over yeah so it's a Again, just a great run. Um, and like we said, we were talking Exterminators. Like, you probably think I'm the biggest X-Men fan in the world because we keep bringing them up. But oddly enough, not really. I just like these offshoot variant teams as much as as the X-Men. Sometimes the X-Men can, can carry a little too much gravity for me. I'm going to deal without that sometimes. My next book is one that I had picked up the first issue and then 
knew I wanted to read the rest. And so I just waited for the trade to come out. And so I finally have it. And that is Ultra Mega. Oh, yeah. This book is by James Heron and Dave Stewart. And I think the letterer is Russ Wooten. Editor is Sean uh, Makowitz. And this book is right up my alley. I am a big fan of kaiju. I love big monsters. And it this book is also kind of in the the wheelhouse of like Sentai as well. You you get this these characters that are able to transform into these other beings that can also get very large to fight these kaiju. But they get their powers from this alien like entity that then in use them with powers and there's multiple ultra megas that's basically like the heroes of our story are the ultra megas and at the same time there are these aliens that come to earth and you find out that whenever the ultra megas get within a certain vicinity of these being the these other humans that have become infected with this like a extraterrestrial plague or like a sickness and whenever the Ultra Megas get near them, it activates these these creatures and they become kaiju monsters. And then you have these big brawls and fights. But it's extremely unique, hyper violent, beautiful colors. The story is really good. It does a great job of sub- subverting expectations of the reader. Because, and I won't say how, because that that kind of takes away from the enjoyment of this book. But... It, it does revolve around a family uh, somewhat. It's, it's, I'm trying to be as loose with it, the explanation as possible because I want more people to really enjoy this book and not know too much diving into it. But just know, giant monsters, there's people that can do really cool like fight mechanics. They can like shoot their arms off like a rocket <laughs> punch. It's, it gets wacky and wild. There's a blood river at some point. It it is uh, insanity in the best way possible. Yeah, I'm thumbing through some of the artwork right now, and it's, I say this in the best way, some of this is borderline disgusting, and when yes. I, it's, I say that as a compliment, because it's very engaging. Like you said, the, the coloring, I think, is really what, the, the way the colors jump off the page, sometimes they're very muted, and sometimes they, even though they're muted, they some of them are it's it's great and like we were just saying disgusting in ways just um yeah i'm i'm gonna have to read this i'd i'd seen the covers for this and i meant to catch this and i just didn't but no this is this looks cool it is definitely worth snagging the the kaiju designs are are very unique really the the fight sequences as well have a lot of uh, i don't want to say uniqueness again but there, there's a lot of things that i haven't seen in a comic before that you get from this story as, as someone that has been a very big uh, supporter of like Daniel Warren Johnson and, and his work. And again, was, was super grateful to have him come onto the show and, and chat about his work, but James Heron, the, the writer for this story. So the, like the writer and artist uh, for this story is a big influence on Daniel Warren Johnson. And you see that a lot between their work having daniel be one of like my favorite creators in the field right now 
I can see the influence he took from from James Heron. And it it like I love it. Like I love Heron's work as well. And I want to find more of his work because I this was the first thing I have read from him and I need more. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with with a lot of that stuff. But yeah, it's a this looks amazing. I'm keep thumbing through this. This is something I'm going to I'm going to have to check this out relatively quickly. And I'm excited because there's there's I believe it's five issues. Oh, it's four issues, which was the original run. And there's been kind of a hiatus, but very excited because if you follow um, Felix Comic Art, they are essentially like the promoters for a lot of comic book creators in the industry. A lot of the artists, they're the ones that you can go to them and they're the ones that book like the signings for these creators. They're the ones that run the booths at the con where the creators come to. You can buy their like creator art through them, get commissions. And they recently posted an image of James uh, Heron's art for Ultra Mega. And they had mentioned you guys aren't ready for what's about to come because uh, there's, so there's more Ultra Mega coming. We've been yeah. waiting and and it's almost here. I'm very excited to see what what uh, Heron does next. Yeah, I just this is the kind of book I can tell you quickly. Just looking at the art, I would love to see this like in real action. This yeah. looks crazy. There's definitely no downtime in this book either. It, it You go, go, go. And there are moments of like true horror and there are moments of pumping your fist because it's so awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you, you've sold me. So, so yeah, if, if I've walked away from this other, other than insulting the intelligence of your listener about telling, talking about the bad stuff I read, I apologize <laughs> for, but this looks amazing. So I'm, I'm really excited to check this one out particularly. Great. It's the whole point of the show. Get people to read more <laughs> comics. All right, Mike, do you have any other books you wanted to talk about that you've been reading recently? Uh, I read a lot of trash. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't ruin uh, the day by going over all of it. But yeah, just uh, the ones I'm really enjoying right now, the Massive Verse is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, trying to catch up with those. And there's so many books, but they're all so good. The ones I've read, The Radiant Black... I know Radiant Pink, some people aren't as big on, but I like it. Um, I enjoy it too. And, yeah, so, and I know we got Inferno Girl Red right around the corner. I'm, I may already be released, but I'm I'm finally getting my, um, which one is it? My Radiant Pink number one. Uh, the I have a retro variant coming that I'm super excited about. Sweet. And I'm getting the Inferno Girl Red retro variant. And yeah, uh, I just think that Massive Verse is great. So if you haven't gotten into that yet, uh, it's it's just, well, again, good writing will go a long way. And it's got such a sleek style. It's not overdone, but it's very clean and very crisp. And it goes along well with the story they're telling. So I'm a big fan. Yeah, I I also love the Massiverse. I had the opportunity to have Misty Flores come onto the podcast because I, mm-hmm. I met her at San Diego Comic-Con and was able to, she was kind enough to come on. And she is one of the co-writers for Radiant Pink. And then she is also the um, uh, main writer for Dead Lucky, which is also fantastic. Inferno Girl Red, I am loving. I think it is such a unique, a very unique story. And again, when I was at San Diego Comic-Con, the entire Massiverse did a panel and then they did a group signing and they actually had a 
convention exclusive poster and all of them signed next to their character creations. And I literally have it hanging up on my wall here on the side. I framed it afterwards. Oh, yeah, that is great. It is one of my favorite pieces in my collection now just because it's oh, I love all those creators. Kyle Higgins, fantastic. Matt Groom, like Ryan Parrott. Like, I again, I got to interview Ryan Parrott at San Diego Comic-Con, too. And like everyone in that group is just super nice. I like supporting nice creators. They're all nice. Yeah, and I will say this to anyone that runs a Kickstarter. Please be nice to your people and actually talk to your fans. I love supporting Kickstarters. I really do. And I've I've supported a couple recently. And uh, I've supported Worlds Away, which uh, just came out. And I think they're having issues three and four come out uh, in March. But you go out and you see some creators that are just nice people. Yep. And as comic book fans, I can tell you this and, you know, no, you know, obviously I want to support the best, but there's so much good stuff out there as a supporter. I can't support them all. I would love to, but my wife would divorce me. So part <laughs> of my decision making, particularly in Kickstarter comics, is I go and I look at the social media of the creator and if they seem like good people and they seem like nice people and they're not just trying to cram their art down your throat and, you know, they're really trying to engage, I'll support them. You know, those are the people I support. So it's always it's really good to know that the Massiverse guys are like legit good people. Yeah, it's it's a blast. And I'm I'm really excited because they have their next um, Supermassive book that'll be coming out pretty soon, too. So all of those characters are going to be coming back together for the next their next round of, of nice. their big world. And Kyle Higgins just announced that there is this huge uh another like crossover event that's about to happen as well or within the radiant black world there is the like these entities that are coming and they're invading and there's going to be a big old war that's about to happen so big things happening in the massiverse if if everyone listening if you have not started check it out it's great like either even on the cover of radiant black they have a snippet from robert kirkman and it's it it says basically like for the people that miss invincible this is the book for you yeah it's it's fresh but it's funny because it's it's fresh but it doesn't come off as new it comes off as you feel comfortable in it quickly and that's just a testament to to how good the writing is it's not something even though there's a lot of storylines they do a good job of bringing them together and bringing all the storylines together but at the same time you don't necessarily have to read one to read the other, but you feel comfortable with the characters instantly, even if you're not familiar with them all. Just great stuff. So yeah, as far as new comics that have come out, obviously the Exterminators, but those are those are such classic characters, or maybe not classic, but they're <laughs> old characters. To see this new universe kind of crop up over the last few years and really be amazing, it's it's always it's good to have new comic book characters to enjoy. It's also nice the fact that it's a connected universe, but every single one of the titles is drastically different from one another. The feel is very different. And so you get a lot of uniqueness. Again, again with the unique. I need a new word for the day. There. They <laughs> they come together and just make a fantastic story. I agree one hundred percent. So I've got nothing nothing else to add. We've talked you asked me what I was reading, and we talked about the Massiverse for a good ten minutes, but I'm here for it. I like the Massiverse and I'd love to put them on the multiverse of badness, but I don't think I have anything ridiculous to say about them. They're just good. <laughs> <laughs> it's your podcast. You can talk about whatever you want. I guess, I guess. We did put the exterminators on there. So yeah, we'll have to 
I have to get some uh, massive verse fans. Maybe we can get you on if you want to do, do a massive verse book. We can do one. Absolutely. 100%. I'm there. Good deal. All right, Mike. Again, thank you so much for coming on to this episode. Why don't you plug your socials for Multiverse of Badness? All righty. You can reach us on the email at pretty much anything at multiverseofbadness.com. Seriously, you could send it to White Rabbit Causes a Man to Have a Heart Attack at the multiverseofbadness.com. We will get that. I kid you not. This is no joke. And secondly, as far as social medias go, we are simply on Mastodon now, so we don't mess around with any of the other social medias for reasons. But we are at Multiverse of Badness at toot.wales. I know that sounds a little weird for people that are used to only one name, but you can go to toot.wales and get an account. You can go to 100 Mastodon sites. I won't, I won't mansplain Mastodon to you, but that's where we do most of our talking on the comic book uh, stuff. And yeah, they've actually got a nice little comic book community out there, so I'm having a good time. Everyone, go listen to the Multiverse of Badness podcast. It is super fun. Mike and Zach have great rapport. It's always a great listen, super fun. So check them out, Multiverse of Badness. That is us. And if you see anyone else masquerading with that name, it's not us. Listen for the smooth-voiced Welshman. That's not me, that's Zach. And you've, you've come to the right place. It's time to close the book on this episode of What Are You Reading? So until next time, this is Lance. And this is Mike. Reminding you to keep your friends close, but keep your comic books even closer. <laughs> <laughs>